Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. 364-1100, We come right out of the gates with some uh, ticket giveaways. we got a bunch in the 5 o'clock hour, so thanks for sticking with us or if you're just joining us. Well, it's your lucky day. Bonnie Raitt tickets. Bonnie Raitt is playing March 15th, 17th, 18th. Venetian Theater. Ticketmaster.com is where you can grab the tickets. Ari's got a pair of tickets to go see Bonnie Raitt in town in just a couple of weeks. Bonnie Raitt, March 15th, 17th, 18th. Venetian Theater. Call her 7, 364-1100, 364 Zero zero. So, Candy, you know I'm a uh, a big consumer of sports talk radio. I'm entertained by it. I also listen because I want to learn more about my craft and get ideas and steal ideas. Um, but I want to hear the good and the bad, right? And I'm a big fan of Colin Cowherd over on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas. And why not pop him right cross promotion? We're all one big family. Uh, but you can hear. Him on 1340 and 98.9 FM. And I, I truly do like his show. I like a lot of the Fox shows. Uh, ESPN shows are fine as well. But uh, Covino and Rich is a really good addition. But Hurt said something the other day. And it was, you know, it was pretty simple what he said. But when you think about it, what was going on was obnoxious. And what I'm referencing is he was talking about how the NFL is listening to its fans, is listening to its coaches and players trying to tweak the game. Like, every year they go over different rules and they try to make changes. And right now the NBA seems to be a bit resistant or a bit confused on how to fix its load management issue. And Hurd was mentioning baseball. And baseball has made some changes in the offseason. But the way he put why baseball is here was, was kind of brilliant, where he said, you know, baseball for years threw it out there like, hey, our games are four hours. Oh, you can't watch? That's a you problem. And he followed up by saying, wait, 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 no, that's not, that's not my problem because here's my, here's my selection. I'm not watching. So you stick to your guns and you have a product that lasts forever and you're just going to lose viewers. And really, how many people can sit through a Major League Baseball game and watch the entire game unless they have money on it? It's hard. We all work. Our time is shorter now than ever. So I think baseball has suffered a little bit from it. Luckily, their product is so cheap as a TV product that they still have TV deals. Although, what's going to happen with regional sports networks, right? Coming up. I know you're a bigger baseball fan than I am now. So I wonder how you're reacting to some of the changes because my first reaction was to be curmudgeon old guy, and I'm like, this is not going to make a difference. And, you know, the more I thought about it, like I didn't love the, the shift elimination, but it is going to bring more offense to the game. The pizza box base uh, you know, at all the bases now is great. You're going to get more offense with stolen bases. The pitch clock, I'm kind of fine with because when you're in person, the games at you know at a stadium, the games are. It's just it lasts for ever. Are you down with the changes? Or are you shaking the fist at the uh, the 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 sun with the face of Bud Selig? Like what you what you do? Why did you leave the game, Bud? I'm mad. Don't be I'm mad. Just angry. Don't be mad. I'm angry. Let's have I'm let's angry. have the young kids get to watch the game, Adam. No, no, I'm angry at me. Oh, you're That's angry. The hard you're angry. I'm, you're angry. I am so mad at me because this is cognitive dissonance for me. Um, this is me having to figure out why I don't agree with me, and that's the hardest damn part of these new rules in baseball is that 
everything about who I believe that I am hates the idea of these changes, hates the idea of a pitch clock, hates the idea of banning the shift. I was absolutely right. Angry old me is absolutely right about the Ghost Runner. The Ghost Runner is an abomination. I hate the fact that it's going to be a permanent change in Major League Baseball. You shouldn't start that at the minimum till the 12th inning. But now we get to deal with fake baseball after the ninth because what? Because Grandpa Cofield can't stay up for the end of the game? Like, come on. Uh, we can all deal. If you stuck through the game to the 10th inning, you are not sitting around saying, ugh, ended already. No, you're someone who was dedicated to getting to the 10th inning in the first place. But now we talk about the change of the pitch clock. And what I'm seeing here in the early reports from spring training games is that the games are getting cut down by like 15 to 20 minutes. That's that's pretty significant. And uh, good old pitching ninja on Twitter put up a clip yesterday of a pitcher in spring training striking out the entire side in the time it took Pedro Baez to throw a single pitch. No. <laughs> it, when you took into account stepping off, the batter stepping out, all yeah. of these things, yeah. a spring training pitcher struck out an entire side in the time it threw, took Pedro Baez to throw a pitch. And when you put it that way, yeah. I kind of hate the fact that I might have to like this. Like I might actually have to be okay with a Rob Manfred change when I think he's the absolute scourge of baseball that maybe even the devil can do something right. It is pretty ridiculous what was going on. You know, going back to, say, Nomar Garcia Para, it was laughable, and it actually was really disrespectful to the fans' time to sit there and do his whole routine. Just silly. You know what's funny about... So a couple things on the Ghost Runner. I hate it. I hate it. Because like you said, it's a phony way to end the game. Um, it, and it's worse than, like, I do not like the end of NHL games. Because I think it's all designed to make sure everyone's getting points so that everyone's in the race and everyone's crunched to the middle. It is nonsense. You win or you lose. You get points or you get nothing. That's the way it should be. But... You're actually wrong on Grandpa Cofield because a lot of times with baseball, I don't get to watch because of this shift until the end of games, and that includes the West Coast games. Sometimes I'm not done until you know 9 or 10 o'clock with the workday. So when I tune in, I'm like, oh, a tie game. It's in the ninth. And I'm like, what is this abomination? Why is there someone on second? This is stupid. So I, I don't like it, and it is the one thing of all the things that I, it's, it's, I really dislike it. And like you said, if a game has to go 16 or 17 innings, the, the quality of the game itself should keep people around. You don't have to phony up the ending. You absolutely don't. And for those of you out there listening and saying, wait a minute, did, did Cofield just slip in that he works till 9 or 10 o'clock? The hardest damn working man in show business. No, no, no. That's not they the way imagine I that he's Imagine that he's still sitting in the studio, locked in no, no, with no. headphones. Re no, because I, I understand how it works. The show ends at 6, and you have to re-listen to the three hours of the show do, yeah, with yeah, a yeah. red pen out, grading yourself yes. through, the, through the entire rewatch, right? Actually, Ari sits there the whole time, and I just yell at him because everything's his fault. <laughs> so we spend three therapeutic hours, torturous hours for him. So, uh, no, I mean, obviously, we're covering a lot of games, so sometimes the games don't yeah. end until yeah, later. Yeah. But I, I get, you know, I... I I get to check in on baseball games a little later, and I guess there's people out there who are like, do your job! Well, here's the problem. We don't talk a lot of baseball because you guys aren't that interested in baseball. If you are, then I would sit and watch all the games, and we do the nooks and crannies and hardcore breakdown of every game. You don't care. mostly. And we're also, right now, we're not in a baseball market. Well, when the A's are here, if they are here, 
Candy doesn't want to hear that, but if someone's here, things will change. You, you cover what people want to speak about and and listen to. So the Knights win last night. They win as plus 30 dogs against the Canes. They get Johnny Quick today to play in goal. They are the top team in the West. Again, hockey crunches everyone together. But it's been a very good year for the Knights. We'll say, I'll say good. Very good might be too strong. I feel like there's negativity around this team, and I don't understand it. Where they're sitting right now with some more upside, what are you unhappy about? I'm not unhappy about anything when it comes to VGK. I mean, you could ask for more consistency from the team, right? It's been either, and they highlighted this on the broadcast the other night, they have either had in every month the best month in franchise history or the worst month in franchise history. There has been no in-between for VGK. And so you look at a game like last night and you start to lean toward best month in history, right? Where you say, wow. Carolina is a really good team. The East is loaded, and you got two goals out of Jack Eichel. And that, to me, when you look at everything that you can talk about with VGK and the rest of this year, what is going to happen to the Golden Knights? Either Jack Eichel plays like an absolute damn superstar, like he did last night, or his team doesn't go anywhere. Because Mark Stone's not coming back anytime soon. And this team needs someone to be... If not the captain with a C on their sweater, needs somebody to be the kind of leader that they're paying Jack Eichel $10 million a year to do. And look, he's been okay, right? He's basically averaging a point per game. He's played in 48 games. That's not as many as most of the top players in the league, but he's been about a point per game. He's got 22 goals. It's not a bad season by any stretch, but you also look throughout the rest of the league. He's 57th in the league in goals. If you use the advanced metrics like Corsi 4, among forwards, he's 130th which is not all that different from his career numbers, but he was playing for Buffalo for most of that time, and Buffalo wasn't good. You would expect it to be better with VGK. So that's kind of, you talk about wh where the negativity comes from. Well, it comes from watching a game like last night and saying, damn, can I have that all season long, right? Can I have that every night? Because that kind of effort from the Vegas Golden Knights is the kind of effort that gets people excited and makes them say, hey, you know what? Even if they don't have Mark Stone, they're going to have a pretty good chance when they get to the playoffs. So they need Eichel to be playing at a very much elevated level for, for the ultimate goal. That's just it. Look, Jack Eichel was brought in here, and we talked to Darren Millard about this at the time. He was brought in here to be a one-man wrecking crew because that's one thing this team has never had. In five years, this team has never had the kind of player who takes the puck from one end of the ice to the other and does one of those Connor McDavid dazzle you sorts of things. And that's the ability that Jack Eichel has. And we've seen flashes, but we haven't seen it consistently in part because of the injuries and the team needs it now. This isn't a matter of, oh, it's a luxury for VGK anymore. Now it is our captain is out and we need someone to step up and be our de facto guy. And that has to be Jack Eichel. So when I throw out the 78 points, we do have to qualify what's going on here, right? First in the West, 78 points. You put that in the East, they potentially could be the seventh best team in the East. But doesn't the East suck at the bottom and the middle? Yeah, because it's so loaded at the top. I mean, the, the, the West is different okay. in that you, you look at the Golden Knights and you look at teams that are sitting four or five points behind the Golden Knights that are in the wildcard race or, or out of it because it's, that's, it's that packed up in the middle. That's your argument about hey, there are too many teams that are just packed in the middle. That's the West because 
there is no great team in the West. You can look everywhere. Maybe a healthy Colorado team, but I watched Colorado last night against my Devils give up seven goals. So that's not a team that I'm ready to crown anytime soon either. Football news. Phil's in on the last couple of days of Jalen Carter, who is supposed to be a top 10 pick, if not at the very top of the draft. Man, you want to know how the NFL machine just grinds on no matter what? This Jalen Carter story is it. And it's not a matter of what Jalen Carter did off the field. It's a matter of where Jalen Carter is right now. Because Jalen Carter was charged with reckless driving as part of some street races following the Georgia football victory parade that led to the death of a player and a staffer on the Georgia team. Now, he didn't drive the car that killed anybody. Like, he, he was just part of it, and he was taking part in this, and he was charged as part of it. And we saw this story break. Oh, breaking news, ESPN. Jalen Carter has been charged. What's going to happen? Is the presumptive top five pick, is he going to fall down? 24 hours later, he's back at the combine. And look, it's misdemeanor charges, ultimately. And so that doesn't mean that we need to string the guy up uh, immediately for what happened. But the fact that two people died and we're implicating a top draft pick in this, and it was like, hey, just go take your mug shots real quick and then get back here because we got interviews to do. Because he's not working out on the field, but he's there at the Combine where I'm watching social media right now and breathless tweets of 40 times for defensive ends <laughs> are filling it up in the middle of March. Nothing stops the NFL machine, not the death of two people, not a guy being implicated in it. Like Jalen Carter's situation, I don't think we need to blow it out and make it that Jalen Carter is a horrible human being. That's why I asked Xavier, like, I don't know totally what to make of this, but what I do know feels wrong is that he was gone from the combine for a day and he's right back. So let's tie in the Raiders here. If he fell to seven under normal circumstances, boy, a team that needs defensive help, whoo. Value. Am I crazy if I throw it out there that he should be off the board for the Raiders? Completely. Like, not even a second or third round pick. Off the board. If the Raiders want to live with the PR situation of taking Jalen Carter following Henry Ruggs, I would be stunned. But the NFL is what it is. Will I truly be stunned? If he falls and the Raiders take him and we all try to move past it and forget that Henry Ruggs killed a woman and her dog driving 150 miles an hour just outside Chinatown, no, won't shock me at all. Similar situation. Um, this team had a Ruggs deal. The Patriots, would Belichick take Carter? Oh, man. I think everyone would, right? Steve, who's not going to take him? Who's going to look at this? As misdemeanors, when we've had the Ray Rices of the world get two games and come back, who's going to look at this and say that's too much? Nobody's going to look at this and say that's too much. Is it? I don't know, because the lines have been so blurred by the machine of the NFL that it's like if you've ever, if you've ever made bread and you have to have a starter for the bread, and if you don't feed the starter constantly, the starter will die. And you will no longer be able to make like that great sourdough bread. The NFL machine is is bread starter. It has to be fed constantly. And I just think it's going to grind up and spit out 
misdemeanor charges, even if people died for a guy of the talent of Jalen Carter. Get on down here when you can to Silver 7s, which are Thursday home. It's at Flamingo and Paradise. They're going to be doing it up big for St. Paddy's Day on the 17th with the green beer and lots of giveaways. Uh, announced earlier today with Eric Andre, uh, one of the bosses here on Cofield & Company, 77-cent uh, bottle special of Bud, Bud Light, and Mick Ultra will be good to go for the NCAA tournaments. That's the men's and the women's tournaments. Anytime there is a game on, you come on down, 77-cent beers for uh, anyone, well, you know, obviously over 21, uh, you wouldn't be in here if you weren't, but uh, anyone who wants a uh, brewski, 77-cent beers with those select beers during the tournament, and you want to sign up for the A Play Card, they've got great giveaways on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Fridays, the first Friday giveaway in March, they're giving away a 3-in-1 robotic cleaner. I want one of those. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. Live from Flamingo in Paradise, it's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield from Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. Uh, during the update, you hear uh, Doug Douglas, Doug Marsh, Mentioning the UNLV football schedule, we'll get to a little UNLV football here in a couple minutes. We're going to try to track down one of the assistant coaches from the Rebels. Before that, though, it's very funny. We have conversations sometimes. This, uh, the show is actually uh, highly structured. If it doesn't sound that way, it is. And today in our rundown, I just left this portion of the show open because I'm like, let's see where we go. Let's see what breaks. But there's also a bunch of stories that I have save that I've wanted to get to and I, I threw out a bunch of them and the one that got the nod was some fighting in female basketball in the SEC and it's happened a couple times this last week talk about the one fight you just witnessed Candy and I saw the highlights of it involving it was the Florida Gators right where uh, there was some some heat uh, back and forth, and there was a made basket, and the player that made the basket basically took the ball, caught it, and put it right in the face of the person who was set to inbound, and she absolutely pulled a Cofield. Because if you do that to me, I, there's I have there's not even a split second that I have to think I am going to whip the ball as hard as I can at any part of you. Now I would I would have hit the person. Uh, the young lady who tried to throw it threw, like, a freaking Mark Langston, like, tailing fastball that missed the player running away. But I love heat, as long as no one gets hurt. I love heat in basketball games, and the fact that the ladies are doing it had me all juiced up. Like, that, you want to talk about highly competitive, man. Down the stretch in women's basketball, fired up. First of all, you said a moment ago that our audience wasn't interested in baseball, and then you just referenced a Mark Langston tailing fastball. So the three <laughs> people know. who are still left here, let's talk know. women's basketball. I was just fights. trying to think of any lefty, uh -huh. like you know, with the like yeah, kind of scroogey okay. release. It, it was not the, a good throw. The, the ball it, was, no, it was off to, off to, off to the joke. left. I listen. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. This was Kentucky <laughs> and Florida, and yeah. and from from the referee's perspective i'm looking at this play i'm like something happened before this and you watch the play that happened at the other end of the floor and those two got tied up on a rebound and the one thing you know is that if you don't deal with it at one end it's gonna come and find you at the other end and that fight was absolutely wild because then what happened was the ball got thrown the officials start pop pop popping the whistle 
but nobody really made their way over toward the players particularly quickly. And then it all started where the benches are coming out and we've got, uh, as uh, as your friend and mine, Wyatt Tomchek, once described the Utah State UNLV fight from a few years ago, we've got a brouhaha, uh, which was exactly what we got. And you want to talk about why this is interesting because when I went to look up this fight, Steve, yeah, of course, there's a result from ESPN, the result from the New York Post. You know where there was a result from? Fox News. Not Fox Sports. Yeah, yeah. Fox News. So these are the sorts of things that end up transcending. And I'll tell you, as as a referee, we got a separate memo that came out just yesterday oh, really? talking about sportsmanship yeah. and saying, hey, everyone's eyes are on the game right now. There are more games on ESPN than ever. I'm adding that part. But sportsmanship has never mattered more than it does now because this is the product that we're presenting to the rest of the country, the rest of the world. And I think that this is not necessarily what the Division I Women's Basketball Committee wants out there in terms of uh, the reputation of the game. Okay, I get that part, but I want it. I get that. I don't know. I, I very much get that. Yes. I don't want people to get hurt um, because I also I I want to have rooting angles just like I do in, in every other sport. And I'll tell you, last week uh, covering doing the TV for San Diego State and, and the Lady Rebels, there was a battle between Kennedy Winfrey, one of the Rebels players, and a, a young lady. Her last name was Prohaska, and she was kind of a stocky, sturdy young lady, but um, we'll say was a rough, tough customer. And there was some good action going on. I was getting so fired up. I'm like, let's, because you got to respond to stuff like that. You just have to. And I mean, in the case of LSU and Kentucky, do you have to whip the ball at someone? I don't know. I'll tell you this. In in the case of 27 and one LSU and their star player, as I'm reading here in the New York Times, LSU buoyed by trash talking, shot swishing, Angel Reese. She was doing that some of that stuff last week, and the first thing I thought of when a player is acting like a horse's ass is that is a reflection of the coach, and there is no more, more revolting character in all of basketball than Kim Mulkey, and she has brought her swagger to LSU, and I love it and, and hate it as well. I hope she gets smashed in the NCAA tournament. Smashed. I saw her last week bumping an official. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who said this is allowed? Really? Uh, I there's there there might not be anyone in sports that I root against more, and I have, and this is why I watch sports is to root against people. <laughs> not that's not the only reason, but she drives me freaking nuts, nuts. Wait, that's the top of the list for you. It's, it's damn for, for it's for, damn for you who for you who has hate like unleaded fuel like 87 grade fuel running through his veins that's the top of the list for you that's uh, what have you done for me lately she, she's one of the most recent videos i saw where i was like beat lsu can't stand it get her sign up for an a play card and receive a guaranteed ten dollars in free play with a chance to win up to 150 dollars in free play at the william hill race and sports book inside silver sevens hanging at the william hill sports book inside silver sevens it's cofield and company back here on this thursday spring football is beginning around the country didn't feel like spring 
yesterday, but they were out there. UNLV was out there day one of spring practice, and Barry Odom has uh, has landed here in Vegas as a, a new staff, and really excited about the coordinators. We talked to Michael Scherer a couple uh, weeks ago. Brennan Marion is in with us now, the offensive coordinator, and he joins Adam and Steve. How are you, sir? Good. How you guys doing? We're good. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, of course. We appreciate you you coming in. All right. So for the coaches, just you know, tell us what it's like. You got a new group, and you're out there on the field for spring practice. What's the the initial reaction? Like, how excited are you? Well, obviously, you know, we were we're dealing with a tragedy, uh, you know, and uh, I think it was a, a blessing for us to be able to get out there and you know, kind of come together as a group. And, you know, really honor uh, Ryan Keeler. Um, you know, he was a guy that, and just my few times around him, that had a lot of juice and energy and, you know, was a team guy. So I think the guys are trying to, you know, bring that same positive juice and energy that he had. And it was great to get out there um, and, you know, just get rolling, even though, you know, it wasn't the greatest of conditions out there. Uh, I think that's one of the things that, you know, you have to, football mirrors life and regardless of what the weather is or the situation you still have to go be able to go out there and execute yeah i was gonna say on ryan keeler sometimes you know just getting back to work and a sense of normalcy or you know getting back to football can be therapeutic uh no doubt i mean anytime that you know you deal with something like that you want to definitely deal with things that you know give you a sense of joy and, and, and peace and i think you know being out there on the field gives all those guys coaches included a sense of you know joy and peace and you know, um, you know, just that that feeling of like, okay, this is something that I can do that is not, you know, a stressful thing. So I love a lot of the angles in this spring practice because with a new coaching staff, um, you've got new players coming in, you've got holdovers. Let's concentrate on the holdovers. So first of all, you know, a lot of guys are they now have to impress you. They may have, you know, set up certain roles with the last coaching staff, but they gotta they gotta win you over. How how excited are you to to kind of go through that, deal with that. And I wonder if there are players who've already come up to you and said, hey, coach, am I going to get a fair shot? Like, Because players worry about, hey, if they were established with the last group, the new group, this is like working for new bosses. Yeah, no doubt. I think anytime you're you're dealing with new people, uh, you know, the players are dealing with us being new as well. You know, I think resume is important. You know, we all got to where we're at for a certain reason. You know, guys that have earned uh, starting roles in the past, they obviously did something to earn those roles. Um, and they've built some some form of resume, uh, you know, with their skill set and their talent and their work ethic to be in those positions. So it's our job as coaches to, you know, um, look at the strengths uh, that the players did on the, on the prior roster, um, you know, and prior staff uh, have, look at their strengths and, and, and try to operate in their strengths and do some of the things that they were good at. Um, I don't think you throw away the things that, that the team did well in the past. I think you kind of highlight those and try to try to build upon those things. And then, you know, see some of the weaknesses and see, you know, what a new scheme, new training uh, module can do uh, to help, you know, alleviate some of those weaknesses that they had in the past and, you know, just continue to build and, and grow the team. You know, Coach, you mentioned resume and how hard – a staff works to build that resume and I'm about to list off your coaching experience and I say this with respect when I go back to you know community college days of 2011 
West Valley, the Harker School, St. Patrick, St. Vincent, Waynesboro, Arizona State, Oklahoma Baptist, Howard, William & Mary, Hawaii, Pitt, Texas, and now UNLV. And I, I don't know that everybody knows the kind of lifestyle and the kind of work that goes into getting to where you are now as the, the offensive coordinator for UNLV. What, what is it like? How would you describe you know what coaches go through working their way up the ranks to where you are right now? Well, I always just say, you know, thank God for the ball that saved my life. I mean, I never thought that football would take me all the places that it's taken me and my family and, you know, granted the opportunities that it has throughout my life. I mean, I'd say all the majority of the great things that have came out in my life have came through uh, football and the relationships that I've created through the game of football. So for me, being able to, you know, I never thought going from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that I would live in places like Hawaii, California, Arizona, you know, Miami, when I was with the Dolphins, Montreal, Canada, you know, just there's a lot of different places that I've been that it's, football has taken me. And I think it's just about, you know, being a quality person, being consistent with your work ethic, building genuine relationships with the with the players and the people that you're there with. Um, and then ultimately, it's we're in a result-based business. I think I've been blessed with great players that trusted me and – you know, great coaches that have trusted me and gave me an opportunity, and we, we had good results. And ultimately that brought me to getting to know Coach Odom and then getting here to UNLV. We've got Brandon Marin, the offensive coordinator for the Rebels. Spring practice has begun. It runs all the way through the beginning of April, and then a spring game on April 8th will go down for UNLV football. You know, one more thing on you know the, the uh, track up to a position like this, and you mentioned all the places you've lived. I think something that does not get covered – is the travel that you guys go through. I mean, to watch all the offers come down around the country for 23s, 24s, 25s, and some 26s, I feel like you have been on the road for months because you're one of the lead recruiters out there giving these offers. Do you like traveling? Don't you have to? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes what people miss in uh, recruiting is, you know, you have areas and places that you've coached or lived, or you have a relationship with the person, and you kind of have boots on the ground already. You kind of have people that know uh, know you, know what you're looking for in a player, um, and they can either bring those players to you, and you trust their their evaluation, and you know, like, okay, this guy knows exactly the type of player I'm looking for, and you can, you know, meet certain players that way uh, before you even get to a place through people that you know and trust. And I think that's what you look at. We have relationships throughout the country, um, you know, and that's kind of how we've been able to jump on some guys early and offer and, you know, start that evaluation process with them. And then, you know, ultimately the biggest thing that we've been trying to do, um, and I think Coach Odom's done a great job of, is, is making sure that we touch base with every single high school coach and high school player uh, in, in, in the state, you know, here in Nevada. I think there's great players in in the Vegas area, you know, at the University of Texas, I had a kid that uh, was from Vegas, DeAndre Moore, who, you know, was at St. John Bosco, went out there to California during COVID, um, and we brought to the University of Texas. So, you know, there's there's great players here in Vegas, you know, and we want to get the best players in the city to come, you know, be a part of UNLV, not just, you know, I think there's only one Vegas in the world, you know, and we definitely have the allure and the attraction to bring people in from, you know, outside of the state, but we definitely want to get the best players within the state and city here as well.
Vernon Marion's with us. So I was out of practice yesterday, and, and to build on the topic that I started with, with uh, you know guys uh, having to prove themselves to you and then guys getting second chances, I think that's the most exciting thing is sometimes you know with certain coaches, hey, you, you fall out of favor and maybe you're not getting a chance. Uh, maybe you weren't healthy. Like the, one of the first things I saw on a play was Javon Wilson getting downhill, and Javon came here from Oregon, and there were high hopes for Javon. He's a big guy at running back, pretty good special teams player. He just hasn't been healthy, and just to see him getting downhill, like kids getting another chance healthy to prove themselves again has got to be one of the neat things about spring practice. No doubt. Guys have a clean slate. You know, we're, we're new. Uh, we're, we're not naive to the fact that, you know, sometimes when a player doesn't play, it's not because he's a, a bad player or he's not this or that. Sometimes, you know, unfortunate injuries happen. Or, you know, certain situations he sat behind a senior or a fifth-year guy, you know. So I think ultimately spring football is that time to see, you know, kind of what players have and don't have um, and, and get that opportunity. You know, spring is the time to give guys opportunity to know, okay, can this guy come in and, and you know, maybe be an asset to us this year. You have an interesting room of running backs right now, and I know you're going to get some more coming in because I mentioned you got big guys like Javon Wilson. Chad Magiar is back, and he's he's a behemoth. Um, I saw Gary Quarles out there, I think, right, number 25. He was uh, I saw him standing over by you. I think that was him uh, but when you were talking mm-hmm. to the quarterbacks. And so uh, it gives you some versatility you know, between guys who were you know, 220 pounds all the way down to 165 pounds. Yeah, we find unique ways to utilize the backs. Uh, I think Coach Ford has done a great job of, developing some grit and toughness in the room with those guys. You know, obviously he has a great track record with running backs, being at the University of Missouri for for a very long time, developing a lot of great running backs in, in Toledo. Um, and, you know, just getting those guys throughout the room to understand that, you know, when you play running back for us, you do it all. You don't just run the ball. You, you pass block. You get out run routes. There's a lot of different things that you'll line up in unique formations and sets. And so, um, I think our guys are excited for the opportunity to be out there and, and, and get a chance to make plays. I saw you working with the quarterbacks, as I mentioned, and I, I saw you at one point you were kind of joking about some footwork. Footwork is one of the things I think the average fan doesn't really you know uh, realize how important it is for quarterbacks. So you've got a talented room here. You know How much do they have to learn in terms of running this offense and, and some of the physical skill sets? Yeah, I, I think the, the the biggest thing for them to learn in, in our offense, you know, that'll be the the learning curve for them is that they are the the point guard, you know, and they are control of the ball and everything that happens. Uh, you know, our hopes and dreams are in their hands, and they have to make a lot of decisions, you know, and switch back and forth. We don't ask them just to be one style of quarterback. But, you know, they're very multiple in what we do, and they have to be multiple and be able to move the ball down the field and score you know, at a consistent high level and take care of the football. And then I think, you know, the footwork piece of it is just, you know, when you look at it, when I started coaching quarterbacks a long time ago, you know, it was all about the quarterback's footwork. And then when you get to college, the majority of guys that are in a college quarterback room, they're in there because they can throw. You know, they do have arm talent. You know, a lot of times the guys miss throws or, you know, they're inaccurate because their footwork is off. They're hopping in the pocket. They're moving and they're not able to get their feet down and make a, make a solid uh, throw. So um, those are the key things. We'll consistently be harping on their footwork uh, to, to consistently make throws when they have open, open when, receivers. Coach, when we had a chance, and we're talking to Brennan Marion, the offensive coordinator for UNLV, when we had a chance to get a little bit of time with Doug Brumfield, I was asking him a question about uh, 
you know, when you run your offense, you know, how much responsibility is on Doug or whoever's playing quarterback to change things at the offensive line. And he actually said there's a little less responsibility versus last year. What's your philosophy on, you know, having the quarterback change things at the line or, you know, having to maybe being overloaded or taking stuff off his plate? Where are you on that? Yeah, I think any time that you can get a guy to play fast and however that guy can do that, I mean, there's going to be subtle adjustments that the quarterback makes. Um, but, you know, I, I was blessed to be around a quarterback who got drafted first round and started as a rookie in the NFL, and, and he really never, ever changed the protection. I mean, he, he that wasn't what he majored in. He majored in making sure we got down the ball, got the, got the ball down the field and scored. We put him in situations where, you know, I feel like it's a coach's job to handle some of that more than it is a – player's job he has a performance level that he's trying to consistently be at and make sure he gets the ball to the right guys and you know makes the, the split second decisions um and i think some of the stuff that we can take off his plate and give him the answers to the test already uh then he'll you know obviously perform better when the test tests show up brennan marion's with us you appear to be a cowboy hat guy. First of all, is that insulting? Is that does that sound dorky for me to even say that? Because I'm a Northeast guy, so I was never a cowboy hat guy. I've seen you wear at least one. Do you have lots of them? Yeah, I have about five. I, I own okay. a ranch, uh, so you know I'm I'm big into it. You know, I mean I'm I'm all in on it. You know. Okay, what are we talking about with with the hats here in terms? Because I know people, you know the. And we have places in town that sell this stuff. This is a good market to get some hats. I mean, these things can get pretty pricey. So, obviously, you must have, like, work hats, and then you have, like, your stylish hats where you're like, do not touch that freaking hat. Yeah, you know, I got I, I got one hat that are, like, you know, is like the one that no one can touch, yeah. you know, and then yep. I got a couple Stetsons, you know, a couple of straw hats. You know, right now it's still, still cold outside, so it's, it's felt season right now. So, you know, try to keep it right with the times and where we're at, but. You know, uh, I like the I like I like being a cowboy. You know, <laughs> are you a fan of Yellowstone? No, I've never seen the show, but everybody okay. keeps running up to me and saying, "You remind me of those Yellowstone guys." So I'm gonna check out the show right now. Right now, I'm trying to worry about scoring, yeah, and, yeah, and and winning games. You know, <laughs> well, we always have the debate on this show because um, between a lot of us being Northeasterners and the rest of us not being outdoor people. Like, when you say you own a ranch, all of us are like, wait a second. Like, what do you do on the yeah, ranch? in Pennsylvania, and- in the northeast. Yeah, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. No way. So what kind of ranch? Well, like, what are you doing on the ranch? Horses. I got a, I got a big horse stable right now. We're actually really? in, in, in going under contract right now to, uh, you know, have all the, the stables rented out, um, have a horse stable of about, uh, 12 stables and going to get it, you know, have a couple families that want to put the horses in there. So that's kind of what we're going to do. And then kind of set up a, you know, we have a nice little pond and track type deal. Uh, where we'll do some, you know, horseback riding and stuff for kids on the weekend, stuff like that. So trying to get that all set up right now, you know, but it's kind of hard to do while you're, while you're coaching football. You know what I mean? Candy, you want on this <laughs> ranch? You want to be a ranch hand? You want to go work on uh coach's ranch? Well, I, I absolutely would sign up, but coach, I think you'd fire me in about a day. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't think I'm cut out for it. I, th- I don't think I'm tough enough. <laughs> That's right. This That's really, right. this really is a wimpy show. Um, 
One last thing on football, and it's a little bit hardcore, but I, I am I'm a, I'm a guy who likes watching the offensive line, and I, I you know I learned a lot the last couple of years from watching the pairings, you know, at the guard and tackle, and also the responsibility of the center and the relationship with the quarterback. You're going to have a new combination here for Doug Brumfield. So so far, what do you what have you seen at center? I was watching uh, Jack Haas run out there, and he's, he's a big kid uh, in from Buffalo. Like, how quickly can you forge a relationship, and then just how important is it with the quarterback and the center? Yeah, I think Coach Vice has done a, an amazing job with, with the offensive line. I mean, I've been around a lot of programs, you know. Uh, you know, I call them startup programs when, you know, they're, they haven't went, won at a high level yet, and you got to come in there and try to, you know, patch things together and get it rolling. And, uh, you know, what I saw from our line on the first day was, you know, everybody was in unison going the right way, picking up a lot of things, and I thought that, that was really, really good from what we did up front. I think our centers did a good job. I think Jack's working uh, really hard uh, to to be the guy, Trig as well. You know, I think both of those guys have, have done a good job. Um, you know, anytime you go in a practice like that, you know, we're in a damn monsoon out there a little <laughs> bit, uh, and, and it's freezing cold. And if you watch, you know, there was no snaps over the quarterback's head. There was no snaps on the ground. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, the best quarterback on our team is the center in a shotgun offense, right? He throws the ball to the quarterback every play. And uh, that first initial pass is very important, and I think our centers did a good job with that. I think Jack, speaking specifically to him, is a very smart kid, you know, um, and he's going to be a great asset for us this, this season. Well, good news right now, no chance of rain tomorrow, a high of 56, low of 38, so maybe something in like the 44-degree range when you guys start practice, so that'll be good. Yeah, I mean, as long as it is, is, isn't what it was the other day, I'll, I'll be happy. <laughs> that was crazy. All right, Coach, we'll see you out there tomorrow. Thanks for the time here on radio, and uh, we really appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys. Go Rebels. Brendan Marion, one of the uh, new young, doesn't sound it, young, experienced coordinators for Barry Odom squad. Get 77-cent bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag, only on ESPN Las Vegas. 364-1100, So many tickets to give away. Uh, really appreciate all of our great sponsors and partners like Silver 7's. We've got Mountain West Conference tournament tickets. The tournament's in town March 5th to the 6th, so coming up in just a couple of days, and we've got more tickets for the men's bracket. Ari's got the tickets, 364-1100, caller 7 if you want to buy your own tickets. UNLVtickets.com is where you go, and there are all session tickets available. You can watch all the women's games for the low price of uh, 75 bucks, and the women start up with the Lady Rebels as the favorite on Sunday. So, into the bag. Uh, Candy, did you see the UNLV football schedule? I'll read it to you real quick. came out today. They open with Bryant on September 2nd. They're at Michigan on September 8th, which is actually a Friday night. That's interesting. Uh, Vanderbilt at home, then at UTEP on the 23rd. Home game September 30th against Hawaii. These are all September games, by the way, five September games. Home game on September 30th at Reno after a bye week. That'll be the 14th. And then they close out with uh, Colorado State at Fresno, at New Mexico, home Wyoming, at Air Force, and against San Jose State. Remember, 
there are no more divisions in Mountain West Conference football. You just get a pod with two other teams. You play those teams, at least in the short term. So right now that's Nevada and Hawaii. I don't see any, like, really rough stretches there. It gets harder at the end of the season. And, of course, second-to-last game against Air Force, probably in cold weather, up there against a team that has just decimated the last couple of UNLV teams on the ground. Oh, boy. I do love the fact that they get the bye before Reno, though, and, you know, the the game against UTEP will mean a lot when it comes to this team's fortunes uh, down the stretch, and obviously, you know, you don't want to be in a spot where you have to win against San Jose at the end of the year for number six, but they, they could be there. And keep in mind, this schedule can change because once the Raiders schedule comes out, look out! Who knows if they get to play on all of these different Saturdays. Candy, great job today. Appreciate it. Good to see you, buddy. Really good guest lineup today. Appreciate that. Make sure you check out the archive of the show, lvsportsnetwork.com, and get on down here to Silver 7s. You can sign up for that A-play card. Lots of benefits and great specials with those 77-cent beers. We'll see you.